Hey, what's poppin', family of God? I uh, hope that this gathering finds you doing well. Uh, you know, my biggest love language is actually physical touch, uh, which means I've been longing to see y'all and dap you up and give you holy <laughs> hugs, all right? Uh, so my fuel gauge is on E a little bit. So you better know I've been praying rebukes all over this COVID, all right? Uh, and so I hope to see more faces soon, but I hope you're being faithful and staying faithful and built up in the Lord in the process. And so uh, we ready to chop it up? Let's do it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're in Philippians 1 still. Uh, Feel free to pause the video. Go grab them. You know the deal by now. Uh, We want your eyes on the Word. We want you to be following along with us. And so last week in Philippians, we were looking at really how we gain joy or how we gain life in Christ, really focusing on serving one another and also treasuring Jesus above all things, that as we understand, fall in love with, know Jesus, there's this intimacy that comes with that. And really, it begins to fill one of the biggest longings, even one of the biggest voids in our heart, our desire for joy, as we serve in love, it actually begins to fill that up, and we begin to uh, operate really as we have been created to by God to operate. And so Paul actually really kind of doubles down on this idea today, and uh, as he doubles down, he also kind of expands on our understanding some, that the Bible is for your joy, God is for your joy, we should actually be seeking joy as the people of God, as humanity in general. You know, the problem is, is that we're often far too easy satisfied with the toy houses of joy when God wants to give you kingdoms of it. And so we need to seek it. In fact, C.S. Lewis, who was an author and philosopher, uh, he says this, which I love this quote. He says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. And so we are seeking our joy. And I actually love this section. If you looked around the screen, it begins this week with, yes, and I will rejoice. And I love that because last week we ended with, in that I rejoice. And if you look at that, in that I rejoice, that's a present tense. But now he's saying, yes, and I will rejoice, a future tense. And so Paul is looking ahead of his life and saying, joy will be one of the markers of his life. He will rejoy himself over and over again in the Lord. And so before we even dive in this morning, really the question that we can be asking ourselves to even ready our heart for this text is, will joy mark your future? Will that be one of the markers of your life that no matter what happens from this moment forth, you will be filled with joy? In fact, will joy be one of the markers of maturity in your Christian faith? That as you grow in Christ, you do not grow bitter or cold, or, but you actually grow in joy because you are growing in Jesus. What if we, like the Apostle Paul, knew how to say, man, no matter what happens, I am going to find this joy in the Lord. And so Paul actually gives us some ways to make that a reality today. And so let's go ahead and chop up our first section. We're in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 through verse 26. And I'm going to have uh, Miss Hannah Venable read that for us. 
Hi, my name is Hannah Venable, and I'm a Covenant member here at The Well, and I also help lead the Slaughter Manchac CG. And I'm excited to read to you the scripture reading for today from Philippians. Philippians is one of my favorite epistles, so I'm excited about this reading. So I'm going to read Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 18b through 26. It says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I thank you, Hannah. Uh, the first idea that we see in how we grow in joy is that we actually grow in joy by growing in service. It's the first idea there. Now you may be saying, hold on, didn't we sort of say that same thing last week? And I'll say, bro, good job at remembering the sermon last week, all right? I'm proud of you. And the rest of y'all are going to say, I don't remember, so this is fresh news to me. So there you go, all right? Uh, Paul did mention it last week, but it was so nice, he had to say it twice. <laughs> wow, come on now. <laughs> Some of my non-pigmented friends are like, uh, what, what is happening right now, all right? Uh, but I, I love this idea, right? Service, it actually takes on kind of a, a different, even an expanded approach in, from last week to this week as Paul is highlighting this. And so look at some of the things he's highlighting here. Firstly, notice that part of what sustained Paul was actually prayers for Paul. Last week we actually saw Paul praying, but now he's asking the Philippian church to pray for him. This is one way that we get to serve, and it's more powerful, like we briefly mentioned last week, than we would tend to give credit to. And so Paul asked the Corinthians, the Romans, the Ephesians, the Colossians, and the Thessalonians to pray for him. And so Paul really believed that prayer had power in his life. In fact, you see here he says he knows that it will turn out for his deliverance, that with the help of the Spirit, the prayers of the saints, it moves the hand of God. Prayer is powerful, meaning we should readily ask for prayer from others and be ready to pray for others, knowing that there's power in our prayers. This is one of the ways we serve each other, and in this service, we grow in our joy. And so there's all this beauty here that we see even in this text. It's an easy way, honestly, to serve and to increase our joy because we get to talk to God uh, with him and commune with him and on behalf of others. That is joy for both of us. In fact, one of the things that I remember really clearly uh, over my sabbatical was actually the lack of prayer. And that, you know, I didn't really realize it until uh, toward the end of sabbatical that I wasn't really receiving prayer regularly. Outside of my wife, Natalie, like, there wasn't really anybody to talk to because we were sabbaticaling from people, right? And so uh, I didn't have a whole lot of interaction. I didn't have a whole lot of prayer. And I remember when I came back, uh, one of my good friends, Rob Daniels, was preaching at the well. And we had dinner the night before. And uh, he just laid hands on me and prayed for me. And I almost started crying. Like I was like overwhelmed with it. And in a lot of ways, prayer is kind of like food. You don't really think about how food sustains you day by day until you go without it. And then you realize how much you need it. And then you get hangry, right? <laughs> 
You know, a lot of us are spiritually hangry because we're lacking in prayer, and that's why we don't have joy. We're angry. We don't have this connection with Christ because we're not doing something as simple as prayer. And that is true not just in prayer, but in worship and in scripture and gathering together. There's all these ways that God has given us to actually fill up our joy. And all of them are actually serving other people as well. And so this is how we get to grow in our joy in the midst of this. Now, Paul, then what he does is he goes into this kind of longer than normal discourse for Paul, at least, on death and life after this. And it's really important for us to get because uh, he kind of begins to weave together this idea of serving, but also kind of his next point there. And it's sort of summarized in verse 21, which says, to live is Christ and to die is game. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. In fact, I have it tattooed on my chest because it means so much to me. And it launches us really into our second point, which is we grow in joy by growing in Christ or treasuring or valuing Christ. I may say, wait a minute, wasn't that a point from last week too? I'll say, you're right, it was. It was so nice, he had to say it twice, right? Come on now. Uh, And so watch how Paul begins to weave these two points together, though. Paul says, to live is Jesus. In fact, in the Greek here, there's actually no verb. And so that verb is is actually just there to help us get an understanding of what Paul is saying. But what it really reads is, for me, life is. Jesus, death, gain, mic drop, right? I don't know why I flicked the mic. It's a, it's a tiny mic, right? But to live is literally Jesus, not, with, not for, not, it's Jesus. He is life. Having him, depending on him, knowing him, him, he himself is eternal life. To live is Jesus and dying with him, dying for him. This is our gain, family. Paul believes this. And when Jesus is what is most treasured and when we find him as our joy, then we get joy when we get Jesus. And so this is what Paul is trying to highlight. In fact, we can replace that word word Christ with any other of the false idols or counterfeit gods that we normally chase, and we would actually see what Paul is saying here. For example, we could replace it with, for me to live is money and to die is being broke, right? Or to live is entertainment and to die is boredom. To live is comfort and to die is suffering, which is what most Americans say, all right? And so the problem with every other one of those substitutes is that when you die, you actually lose something in the process. It hurts you. It harms your soul. You feel downcast. You feel disappointed. You feel broken when you lose those other false gods. When you're in Christ, though, and when Christ is your life, when you die, you don't lose. You actually gain immensely. This is why the Christian game is rigged in your favor, family. You should play it. It is rigged that you might grow in Christ forever. And so he goes into this idea that if he's living, it's going to be for the benefit of others. And so he's ready to live, even though he would rather be with Jesus, it says. And so Paul's joy is coming because if he's living, then he's living for Christ and with Christ, and he's serving others 
on behalf of Christ. And so Christ is his treasure. He is growing in joy because Christ is utmost. And as he's living with Christ, he's also serving. Point one and two, they tie together. Paul is able to rejoice forever, and he knows his future, that no matter what happens, he will have joy because he really believes this, family. And he's walking in this. This is the type of joy that is found at the bosom of Jesus, that as you get closer to him, you are filled up with joy. You are filled up with what your soul longs for. And so then the more you serve, the more you actually have. And I want you to think about that for a minute, right? Like the more you give, the more you have. This is not true with those other false gods. You think about something like money, for example. The more you serve, the more you give, actually the more it takes from you. And so you begin just wanting something nice with what money can buy, like you start off with an Apple Watch, right? And then that's not enough, so you gotta get the new iPhone. And then that's not enough, so you need the iPad. And then that's not enough, so you need a MacBook, actually a MacBook Pro. And then that's not enough, and you don't know what else to do with Apple products, so you go get a Tesla, or whatever it is, right? (laughs) And all of a sudden, money, it just takes and it takes and it takes from you. And as you serve it, you need to give more to it. Every other false god, the more you give, the more it takes takes. With our God, the more you give, the more you have. How crazy is that reality? You can't outgive God. And as you give to God, you get God. And there's this beautiful uh, give and take. It's rigged in our favor. Once again, family, we see Paul walking in this. I need at least one or two witnesses on that TV screen, by the way, all right? Y'all better be talking right now, okay? And so this is important right now. A really, really important kind of side point to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Uh, We don't treasure and love Christ so that we can get joy All right, but joy is not our highest end, really, to say it like that. Paul didn't say, for me to live is joy. That's not what he's talking about. No, we live for God. And so we don't love God to get joy out of him. We love God to get God, and then joy is a byproduct. And so God is our highest end, and joy is one of the plethora of things that he gives to us. The desire for joy is actually purposely put in our hearts by God that we might seek God and find him, because he knows that in his presence is the fullness of joy. I love what Blaise Pascal says. He was a philosopher uh, back in the day, and he says this. He says, all men seek happiness, that is without exception, Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end, happiness. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object, which is happiness. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. People end their life seeking joy or the absence of suffering. And Paul is saying, this is actually yours if you come to and if you treasure Jesus. In fact, not only do you get joy, you actually get joy inexpressible like we talked about last week, overwhelming joy, more than what you can even imagine, more than you even desire. It will overflow in you as you come to Jesus. Notice that what is happening is as we serve Christ and as we treasure Christ, then we get joy. And Paul says, That's why he's even still here on earth, 
right? Like he would rather be with God, but God wants not just Paul's joy, but also the Philippian church's joy and everybody else that Paul would serve. And because Paul loves Christ, he wants what Christ wants. And Christ is for the Philippians joy and for our joy. So he leaves Paul on earth that their joy might increase. And so in this, he then serves the church, therefore serving actually even his own soul in the process. And everybody is filled with joy. I love this idea here. In fact, you see Paul kind of itching to get out of jail. He's filled with joy, like we talked about last week, but he wants to get out so that he might visit them so that they might both glory in joy, that they both might be filled with it. He knows that in his service, their joy is actually increased. And so just like their prayers are actually delivering Paul, leading to his joy, his service to them will also deliver them spiritually and be their joy. And they want to serve each other in this joy. He's saying, man, I'm ready to go serve. Let me out of here, right? Like, I want to serve the body. Shoot, we should be like this as a church, that as we're kind of in the middle of quarantine, we're saying, man, I want to get out of this, right? Not just because I want to go to some restaurant. Yeah, that's good. Praise God, whatever. But we actually want to serve one another. We want to give ourselves away because we are seeking our joy in Christ and others' joy in Christ. And so it's important that we see that there, that as we serve this increase, increases our joy in God. You following this? Yeah, this makes sense, okay? And so really, let's say it like this. The only reason that you are here is for the benefit of others. That's why God left you on earth. He could have taken you, sanctified you, glorified you, and you would be perfect in Christ in heaven right now, and you'd be filled with joy. But he actually left you on earth so that you might grow in joy and so that you actually might be a blessing to others that they might grow in joy as well. And so bless others. That's what Paul is ready to do here. You have been created to have life and life eternal, and so you find that when you practice serving each each other, you grow in joy, and in that you grow in God. You see, as you're created in God's image, you were created to be a servant because our God is a serving God. It is literally in your DNA because it is who our God is. You know, too often as Christians even, we think, hey, to, God, to, to die is gain and to live is to live for me right? Not for Christ, but my glory, my treasure, my job, my future, my marriage, my dreams, my ambitions. And Paul is saying, no, 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 I actually live for the glory of others. While I'm living, I'm living to serve. What if you actually thought like that, family? I guarantee that your joy would actually increase that as you give your life away for the sake of others, it would actually fill you up more than you are able to fill yourself up because you're imitating God and God is joy. I love what Paul says even there in verse 24, you can see it there on the screen, that uh, literally he says that he's going to stay with them because it is necessary. Like, like, would you be able to say this? Is it necessary for you to stay at our church so that we might grow in our faith? Do you feel that way about yourself? Now, you might be tempted to be like, no, I suck, okay? And I get that, when in reality, you just don't know how necessary you actually are. You don't realize what a blessing you are to a group of people that would not be worshiping if you weren't at the well, or to a serving team where people would not be serving if you weren't on that team. Now, let me keep it a stack. Some of y'all aren't serving the way you should be. And in that, you're not uh, just not giving to the body, though you are harming the body, you're actually even harming your own soul because serving is your joy. 
And so do you realize your necessity that we are the body of Christ, each part needing to work together? And as we do that, it increases the joy of everyone. Paul realizes how necessary he is. He's not arrogant in saying this. He just knows that God has given him gifts and he wants to give that to the body. God has given you gifts and you should want to give that to the body for my joy. I need you. You need me. We need each other, as we often say. Paul sees his role in verse 26 there is to lay down his life so that others might glory in Christ. And so let us be like our God and serve. And then when we do that, we'll be like our God and have joy because we'll be imitating him. Paul then goes on to one last section here. So we'll finish off the text, verses 27 through 30. And I'm gonna have my good friend Sandra Leonard read that for us. Hey everyone, I'm Sandra Leonard. I co-lead the Southeast Community Group with my husband, Eric. And I'll be reading 1 Philippians 1, 27 through 30. And I'll be reading in Spanish. Pase lo que pase, compórtense de una manera digna del Evangelio de Cristo. De este modo, ya sea que vaya a verlos o que, estando ausente, solo tenga noticias de ustedes, sabré que siguen firmes en un mismo propósito, luchando unánimes por la fe del Evangelio y sin temor alguno a sus adversarios lo cual es para ellos señal de destrucción. Para ustedes, en cambio, es señal de salvación, y esto proviene de Dios. Porque a ustedes se les ha concedido no solo creer en Cristo, sino también sufrir por Él. Pues sostienen la misma lucha que antes me dieron sostener y que ahora saben que sigo sosteniendo. We miss everyone and can't wait to see you guys again. Hey, thank you, Sandra. Uh, so the third point that we have here is that we grow in joy by growing in suffering. And so you may say, hold on, young blood, ain't that the same point as last week too? We're preaching the same sermon. He is. It's so nice. You got saved twice. Hey, come on, young preacher. All right. Uh, okay, so, right. Now, what we say is that to live is Christ and to die is game. And what we often think about death is we think about it in its completion, like fully dead, in the coffin, RIP, pour out the liquor for the homies, right? Uh, however, to die is gain, period. And so uh, it's not just this uh, literal end of my life death, but a part of how we die is actually through suffering. You see, suffering is 10,000 little deaths until we get to our eternal death where we're with Jesus. But every little death actually gives us more of Jesus as well. You see, Paul found Christ so valuable that he actually saw suffering as a tool to get more of him. Because as he died to himself, he came alive to Jesus. You see, suffering actually gave him a longing for eternity. It says there in verse 23 and in verse 29 and throughout the text, it reminded him of his mortality and his own need for God. It reminds us to put our eyes off of ourselves and to fix them on our King, Jesus. It kills the flesh. It brings life to us. Suffering is a part of dying, and to die is gain. So notice what Paul is saying here. He's not saying only that, like, hey, you get to believe in him, and, and this is good, but he's saying, man, you get to suffer with him. How awesome is that? Yeah, 
right? Like, none of us say that, right? Like, have you ever been in a discipleship relationship? Like, you're in a coffee shop or something, you know, and you're meeting, and the person is like, gosh, Jesus, he's just letting me suffer with him right now. He's so good. Hallelujah, right? Asabetskada, right? Okay. No, that never happens. Why? Because there's actually something that we're missing in Jesus as American Christians where we don't realize the value of suffering, family. Uh, Literally, uh, overseas, they see suffering not as a burden to be endured, but as an opportunity to be embraced, And they realize the value of it because they get more of Jesus. You actually realize the value of it too. Think even about in your own relationships. I think about my own marriage. You know, part of the reason why I'm so committed to Natalie is not just that she's beautiful and awesome and a beast wife and awesome mom and super sacrificial and blah, blah, blah. I won't go on. Our anniversary was last week, okay? (laughs) Right? But Natalie's awesome, okay? But part of it is actually that we have suffered together and in suffering together, it's actually brought us closer, and I know that our closeness could not be matched by anybody else in the world. It gives me commitment to her. In the hood, we used to call it our ride-or-die chick, right? Like, they've been with you for a moment. I've never said that to Natalie because she ain't from the hood, all right? But uh, literally, this suffering, it actually has brought us close, and a lot of us have never really experienced suffering with Christ, and therefore, we're missing a connection that comes with Christ. You know, suffering is a lot like the flame and the fire that kind of melts and bonds our metal together, and we become united with one another. And so, in fact, when we suffer, we often get mad at God, not seeing it as an opportunity from God, but we see it as punishment from God or something, and we get frustrated with that. Really, that's because we value comfort over Christ. Let's just keep it a G, right? We value our own comfort above Jesus, and when we value comfort, to die is suffering, so we hate it. But if we value Jesus, we would realize that death, even suffering, is actually our gain because in that we get more of Jesus. Now, be encouraged, okay, because the early church likely did not think like this either. You know, Paul's writing in a context of them coming out of Roman religiosity and Jewish tradition, both of which said if you're doing good, then you're good, right? Like if things are going well in your life, this is when you have favor. And if it's bad, you don't have favor. And so suffering was actually seen as bad there. But Paul then steps on the scene and says, actually, even suffering God uses to begin to redeem us and make us more like Christ, you serve a God that does not lose at anything. And so everything, even suffering now, becomes a means by which he brings redemption and life into your life. All of this is actually bringing our joy. And so our joy isn't dependent on our situations or our circumstances. Rather, it is dependent on our Christ who does not change. And so we can have confidence then in this. And so literally, it's okay that we're not fully there. We don't fully understand this idea of suffering, but we do need to be moving toward that end. Because as we do that, we actually are moving our hearts toward valuing Christ above all things. And we'll find joy in the midst of that. You know, uh, you can uh, think of this in a way that as Jesus is your highest treasure, then everything else pales in comparison so much so that nothing is able to rock your life because he 
he becomes your firm, solid ground. Jesus is better, make my heart believe. That's why we even saying that. Now, notice throughout this whole section how filled with Christ it is. You can see that Christ is Paul's everything. He says, in Christ, be with Christ, of Christ, the spirit of Christ. Even his suffering, he's suffering with Christ. Normally, we see suffering as abandonment of God or from God, but Paul realizes the reality that Christ is with him in suffering, and so he still gets more of Jesus. Do you, do you see Jesus like this, family? Do you see him as this treasure like he is? I actually love St. Patrick's prayer. Uh, He was a saint from way back, a patriarch of the faith, really, in a lot of ways, who really brought redemption to Ireland. And he says this in his prayer. He says, I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me. Christ shield me today, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ, when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. Talk about a Jesus-centered prayer, right? Christ is his everything, and that's what Paul is trying to bestow upon us, that as he becomes your everything, even suffering does nothing to your soul because Jesus is your treasure, family. And we actually see this most clearly in the person of Jesus himself. You see, Jesus lived this out to perfection. Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Jesus literally, when he lived, he was living for the glory of the Father. And when he died, it was actually gain. Was it not, family? You see, Jesus actually could have chosen to live. But if he did that, it would have meant death for all of us. But instead, he chose to die so that all of us might live. And we actually get to participate with him and ask that same question question. You see, if we live for ourselves, then we begin to actually die, because what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul in the process? But if we die with Christ, then we actually begin to come to life, and not only do we come to life, we actually bring life to others, because we lay down our lives for their building up, and we get to imitate Jesus in this, who really went before us and showed us the way for this. And so, literally, this is what we get to choose to do, we come alive as we imitate Jesus because we were created in his image. And as we act like Jesus, it is for our joy, family. I want us to see this and believe this. So, well, family, I, I ask you the same question I asked you this week. Do you treasure Jesus this much? Do you treasure him above everything? Is he your all in all? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to even suffer so that you just get more of Jesus? Do you say, like St. Patrick, just give me more of Christ. I want more of him, whatever it takes. I want to serve so that you get Jesus and so that I get Jesus. I want to suffer so that I get Jesus and we get Jesus. I want Jesus. Is he your treasure? If you treasure Jesus this highly, I promise you, family, that you will rejoice always. 
And again, I say, I will rejoice. We will rejoice forever. You will have this joy buried so deep in your heart that the demons of Hades won't be able to steal it from you because you will be locked in on the presence of Christ and he is our joy, our solid rock, our guard, and no one will be able to steal it from you, family. Fight for joy like that, family of God. Let's fight for our joy like that. I love you guys so much. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, I want to fight for joy more, more than I do. I want us to fight for joy more than we do. I want you to be our treasure, Jesus, you to be our utmost, you to be our glory. God, I pray that we'd be willing to suffer for you so that we get more of you that we would see it as an opportunity to die to ourselves and therefore come alive with Christ. I pray that as we live, that we would be living for you and therefore get more of you, that we would long to be filled with who you are, Jesus, and that we would serve others so that they might get more of you. And in that we get more of you, would you be our center, our everything, Christ? I want that. Now, Jesus, when we're in quarantine, when we're out of this and when we're back together, would we serve one another seeking the glory that comes with it, the glory being you, Christ? Would that be true of everything that we do? Father, I pray that we would love you above everything, above everything. I pray this in your very beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.